0: The old phrase, hope springs eternal, has never been more meaningful. Yankees baseball is back, and that means the Pinstripe Pod is back. We'll address the Yankees offseason. Did they do enough this winter? In the guest list leadoff spot is the one and only Yankees longtime radio voice, Susan Waldman. Join us, won't you? It's time to talk baseball on the Pinstripe Pod next from the New York Post. Pitch strike pod. Young
1: pod.
0: Chris Sheeran and Jeff Nelson back with you here on the pinstripe pod from the New York post. You could follow Nelly on Twitter. His handle is at nynelly 43 and you could subscribe to the pinstripe pod on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, but please do us a favor now and give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple podcasts. We do appreciate your support. New episodes will be released every Monday in March before we ramp up to Mondays and Thursdays when the season begins in April. Yankees radio voice Susan Waldman joins us in a bit. But first, we welcome back in our four-time Yankees world champion, Jeff Nelson. Jeff, welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod. How was your offseason, buddy, especially with the challenges of the global pandemic?
1: Oh, well, it was good to see that they were going to play a full season. I thought they were going to extend this a month and possibly – you know try to get the players to get vaccinated before they started but you know the players didn't want that to happen they wanted to start right away they want to play a one a full 162 hopefully you don't have any hiccups like you had last year hopefully learn from some things as far as you know, staying out of some bars, staying out of some restaurants to be a little bit more safe as far as staying healthy on the field and not having to miss games. So we'll see how this is going to go and and even spring training. But it's good to have baseball back, I'll tell you that.
0: Absolutely. And it was back on Sunday, the 28th, as the Yankees kicked off their spring training schedule against the Toronto Blue Jays. A little scare early on in that game, Jeff, and that was Aaron Judge who thought about diving for a ball and could have collided there in center field and didn't you let the ball drop luckily you don't want to dive on the first play it's inherent in a baseball player's body to go all out all the time but it was good to see him lay up there yeah it is
1: and you know it's tough And like you said you know when you're a baseball player and you play hard that's all you know whether it's they want a spring training or you know at the end of the season you're all out I know players that don't know how to let up and and Aaron Judge is one of me doesn't know how to let up and for him to let the ball drop and try to you know, maybe take a step back and t- stay a little bit healthier. Uh, hopefully he doesn't do that during the season, because if I'm on the mound and all of a sudden he lets up on a ball that he could have maybe went went for, then you get a little bit upset, and I'm sure he's not doing that. But in spring training, you take it a little bit easy. And And I just want to see this guy play a full season. There's a lot of guys on this team I would like to see play a full season.
0: Did you see anything in that game yesterday, Jeff? Before we talk about the team generally, did you see anything in that game that maybe raised an eyebrow or you said – oh, okay, I, I didn't really think that we're going to get that out of him. Did you see anything in that game?
1: No, I mean, I saw Talkman's big home run. I mean, that was nice to see. You know, he's such a, uh, I think, a key member of this team. It's going be interesting if he even makes the team because of what they have in the outfield. But you know, not really. It's spring. And, you know, I really, being a player, and, and I, I know fans and sometimes the media get up in arms about, oh, spring stats or spring numbers. This guy's not ready. He doesn't look that great. No, you know, it's just what surprised me is that when you looked at the lineup, it pretty much you had a lot of a lot of starters in there. Usually in spring training, you don't see some of these starters like LeMahieu and Judge and and Sanchez, those type of players till like three or four games into spring training. But they already started right away. So that was a little surprising
0: and knocking the dust off, shaking the rust off. And somebody else who has to do that is Domingo Herman. And he's been out for different reasons. It's, it's because of what he did with his girlfriend a couple of years back in 2019. And he missed the rest of that season, including the playoffs. He missed all of last season, obviously because of COVID. He was still serving his suspension. He did come back. He did address his teammates. He also addressed the media. We heard what Zach Britton said earlier in camp. Sometimes you don't control who your teammates are and that's the situation that they were in. Herman was aware of his comments, he talked to Britain one on one. They kind of cleared the air, but what are your thoughts on Herman coming back to the Yankees, Nelly?
1: Yeah, I'm a little surprised. You know, it seems like a double standard here. You know, you see executives getting fired over things that have happened years in the past, and and they're rightfully so. They should. And players are, are different, and they're they still have their jobs. Obviously, it's there's no place. In sports or even life, for what Herman has done and what he did, yeah, he paid for it as far as his suspension. But it, you know, I, I probably would have liked to see him get released and, and not be on the Yankees and try to find a job somewhere else. You know, I think teams should hold themselves to a higher standard and not not accept that. Not that the Yankees are accepting that by keeping him on the team. I just think that it's a, a little bit of a a distraction, and, and I would have probably been on the side of letting him go.
0: Okay, but it, I, I tend to agree with you a little bit there. It is a little bit of a distraction early on, but he addressed it with the media. He addressed it with his teammates, and he had to do it both at Himes and then across the field at Steinbrenner Field. He did it with the pitchers, and then he did it with the position players. The good news is that it's out of the way, and, and if the conversation, Nelly, could continue. But the main thing is with Herman, it doesn't matter what comes out of his mouth. It's the actions moving forward, not just as a human being, but as a baseball player as well.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds from this. You know, obviously speaking to the team, and you know, both like you said at Himes and also across the Steinbrenner, what is what kind of distraction is this going to be for him? You know, is he going to be able to go out on the mound with a clear head?
0: I think, yeah, I think That's, that's that's the key. Yeah, singularly, I think is the more important thing. I think the teammates will start to level that out as the season goes on. And they. And there's going to be him.
1: fans in the stands this right, year. so right. You know,
0: he's going to hear it at some point. I mean, I played
1: with Doc Gooden and Strawberry and Steve Howe before he passed away. And those guys constantly heard some kind of fan banter, whether it was at home or on the road. And he's going to hear it this year. You know, oh. so how's he going to respond to that? Is it, is it going to affect him on the mound? Is it going to affect him? At, you know, and that's the thing you don't want to happen. And I guess it's just a wait and see
0: realistically, do you think he's in the mix for that fifth starter role with the Yankees? Or do you think he he needs to get some work in before he can be back in the mix here?
1: Well, that's what spring training's for. So, you know, he's going to have plenty of work. And, you know, the the unfortunate part is, as far as the minor leagues, usually when you need innings, you can go across the street at Himes and you can pitch in a minor league game, whether it's A-ball or rookie league or whatever it is. They're not going to have that Luxury this time because what minor league baseball that at least a lower levels aren't starting until a month after or until the big leagues and the triple A team are out of spring so you know he's not going to be able to do that It's going to be a lot of simulated games but he's going to get work and I think he is in the hunt for the fifth job he does have a he does have a great arm he had a lot of success when he before he got suspended. You know, he could be a key guy, you know, even if he does doesn't make it in the, in the rotation, he can always go to the bullpen. I mean, he could be a long guy. He could be a guy that, OK, in case somebody gets hurt in that rotation, because you don't know about some of these guys as well, that he could slide in there and be a key member. So obviously they love his arm. And I think he does have a chance for that fifth spot.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. He could be used in a lot of ways and he might have to be used in a lot of ways for the fifth spot, maybe or. You know, with the way this Yankees rotation is built right now, we'll talk about this with Susan Waldman in just a bit as well. But Nelly, you're talking about a team that lost three fifths of its starting rotation from last year. James Paxton is back with the Mariners. Jay Happ he signed with the Minnesota Twins, and Masahiro Tanaka went back to the Rakuten Eagles in Japan. So they're and and Tanaka. You know, he, he he fulfilled his seven-year contract with the Yankees. He gave you everything he had, especially when it came time for the postseason. You couldn't have asked for anything more at Masahiro Tanaka. And he was very reliable, Jeff, especially in the postseason. The Yankees counted on that year in and year out. And now he's gone. And you're replacing those three guys with a guy in Corey Kluber, who's thrown 35 and two-thirds innings the last two seasons. He ha- he got hit with a comebacker his last year with the Indians. He threw 34 and two-thirds, and he threw one inning last year with the Texas Rangers. He had the torn tendon in his right shoulder and his throwing arm. So he's coming back from those two, sir, those two injuries. And he hasn't really pitched that much. And you're also counting on a guy in Jameson Tyone. What didn't this guy battle? He had testicular cancer and then he had, he's coming back from his second Tommy John. So I think a lot with this Yankee season, I'm not really going out on a shaky ledge here or a shaky branch. Jeff, a lot of this season relies on those two guys pitching to the back of their baseball card.
1: Well, I I can't see Kluber pitching to the back of his baseball card. I I don't know if he'll ever be the same as when he was a two-time Cy Young Award winner when when he was with the Indians. I mean, he was he was one of the most consistent, dominant pitchers in the league, and it was great to you know it was fun for him to watch. Whether that took its toll, remember he threw one in the World Series against the Cubs. He threw three games. You know, he pitched in three World Series games, and he lost Game Seven. Obviously, didn't have the same stuff as he did at the first two games. Anytime you have a shoulder problem, I think that's a little concern because elbows usually you can come back from them. Shoulders, you're always always question marked. And that's going to be interesting to see him in spring training and how he stays healthy. Is Aaron Boone and the pitching staff and the and the office gonna work him in a way that they could keep him healthy for the season? And Tyone, I mean it's the same way. Two Tommy Johns, you know, on paper, you, you absolutely love the rotation because you're going to get Severino back at some point. In midsummer, you have Montgomery, you have the horse and Cole. So on paper, you love the rotation, but there's always going to be question marks. And we're only talking day one of spring training. And who knows what's going to happen by the end of March and when the season opens up. Hopefully those guys are healthy, and if they are, they have one of the best three starters in the league if they can if they can be dominant and be back to what they used to be or even a little bit of what they used to be.
0: And, Jeff, Tyone seems to be like a guy that we're going to get behind because in his first meeting with the media, someone asked him about a cap on his innings this season because he is coming back from that second Tommy John, and he said he didn't know probably they're going to say between 120 and 150, but he said this. And I thought this was very key. He said, if I'm at 140 innings and I feel fine, I don't want to cap. I want to keep pitching. So this guy who was down in the dumps, he admitted it after the second surgery was needed. He isolated himself. He didn't really get that fever for baseball again until some uh, Pirates coaches came out and they, they, they watched him work out and they were playing catch with him. Then he got that spark back in Houston. He went home. He worked on his mental and physical health. He just seems like if he has success here, Jeff, Yankee fans are going to love this guy.
1: Well, I mean, they're going to expect a lot out of him. I mean, they went and they made that trade for him. So they're going to expect a lot out of him. And I understand hey, you don't want the cap, but the Yankees are going to do everything they can just like Clover, to keep him healthy And to keep him around, not just this year, but years going forward, and he's on one of the best baseball teams in in baseball right now with the New York Yankees. The way they're built, the way they're formulated, they they should obviously go to the playoffs again. But they're built to go to the World Series and possibly win the World Series. But Tyone's going to be a big part of it. Kluber could be a big part of it. And as far as them keeping, you know, staying healthy, maybe it's one of those things because you know I go back with Strasburg when he was with the Nationals and how. They probably could have done a better job with him as far as his innings limit because when it came time towards the end of the season, they had to shut him down, and they were in a play- playoff hunt. I think the Yankees will probably do something that if they can skip him a start or work his innings so this guy can have a full season, maybe 23, 25 starts, so when they go into the playoffs, he could be one of those starters. And and, and that's where Herman or, or Garcia, or some of these guys play a big part. Maybe when you go and skip a Tyone or a Kluber, these guys play a role in that rotation at some point as a spot start. Maybe give them five, six starts if everybody stays healthy like they hopefully should.
0: We got Kluber. We talked about Tyone. They brought DJ LeMayhew back. Darren O'Day in the bullpen, along with Justin Wilson. Adovino went to the Red Sox in a trade. Julius Chassin is in here on a minor league deal, as is Jay Bruce. Did the Yankees do enough, Nelly, in the offseason to compete and go out there and win a 28th World Series? Well, they had to
1: improve on their rotation, and, and they did, you know, as far as on paper. Now, these guys have to stay healthy. And Now, I, I like their lineup. I hope Stanton stays healthy. I hope Judge stays healthy. I think their bullpen's outstanding. Adovino, uh, out you know, like you mentioned, he went to Red Sox, so I don't think it's really a big, big deal. It's not a big hole. You have O'Day, who, who's a big submariner, 38 years old, doesn't really throw that hard, but he's very deceptive. I like how they did, you know, I think Bruce makes this team. They needed to get some left-handed power in that lineup. I would like to see Hicks stay healthy. A lot of ifs as far as health-wise, but on paper, they're built to go to the World Series. And and I thought they had to do something with this rotation, and they did. And and now they just have to stay healthy, and I think they will be a World Series team.
0: What about bringing Brett Gardner back? How key was that, especially for the depth in the outfield and just knowing someone that you've known since 2008 at the Big League Club? And something I didn't know, too, he, he brought it up, Jay Bruce, in his press conference. He said that he and Gardner broke in to the majors at the same time back in 2008 of course Bruce with the Reds and Gardner was with the Yankees but h- how big of a move was that bringing Gardner back?
1: Well it was great to see I mean you really didn't know if it was going to happen with all the additions that the Yankees made and you didn't know if he was going to be left out and, and possibly say okay I'm just going to retire and not play anymore but he's a leader in this team he's been around he's the longest tenured Yankee he was the only guy that's won a World Series on this team back in 09 and you know it's going to be 162 last year it was 60 games this year, 162, and he's not an everyday player anymore. So you might see two, 300 at-bats and, and him, you know, who knows? Again, Boone's going to have a, a very interesting time as far as keeping Judge on the field, keeping Hicks on the field. And then Gardner plays a part of that. Is Frazier going to be able to handle an everyday job? Yes, he deserves to get a, a shot at playing left field every day. Uh, how's that going to work out? But Gardner's such a leader it was great to see him sign with the Yankees and, and end his career, possibly.
0: I'm curious. We talked about the rotation. We know the question marks with Kluber and Tyone, and if Herman will make the opening day roster as the fifth starter. But there's so much depth there, Nelly. My, I'm excited about seeing the depth, seeing guys like Michael King, who pitched in the first game, him continuing to build on what he built on last year, Clark Schmidt, who has electric stuff, and now he'll get potentially another opportunity, whether it's at the alternate camp or in AAA, to get regular starts every day if he doesn't make the team out of camp. Ulysses Shasin, who Aaron Boone seems to be very high on, he's just two years removed or three years removed from an 18 win season with the Brewers. So, and he's a righty, he's a veteran guy. I'm just uh, very excited to see how this rotation kind of comes into focus. And who is that star? Do you see Davey Garcia maybe making the team, breaking camp? Who do you see from this rotation really making their mark this season, if you had a pick right now?
1: Well, well, Schmidt is going to be back. I mean, he's going to be down. He's probably not going to break camp right. with the team. He's probably not going to have a shot at making that fifth uh, or, or giving a shot to make that fifth starter uh, in that rotation. Uh, Garcia is going to be one. Herman's going to be one. You don't know how, like I said, you don't know how these guys in Kluber and Tyone are going to stay healthy throughout spring. Is Kluber going to be able to, to uh, what do you get, like maybe eight starts, 10 starts in spring training? Is he going to be able to be able to break camp with them? So I don't see, if Garcia is not the fifth starter, I don't see him going into the bullpen. I think he goes either to the alternate side or he goes to AAA, get, a, get to get everyday reps. Now, Herman could be different if he doesn't make the fifth starter then I think he goes to the bullpen and he's more of a long guy. I, I don't see him going and, and not making the team. He's probably making the team at, at, in some sort of role. So it's going to be exciting. And then you look you look at the division. I mean, the only team, the Red Sox are not going to be any good. The Orioles aren't going to be any good. I think the Rays really took a step back with some of their moves. They, they really didn't improve their team at all. The only team that I think the Yankees have to worry about are the Blue Jays. You know, the Blue Jays went all out in the winter. They didn't really improve in their starting rotation, as much, but as far as offense, they did. They're the only team that I see that the Yankees could have problems with are the Blue Jays. The rest of the teams, the Eastern, Eastern Division went from one of the most dominant divisions in baseball to maybe one of the most, maybe the weakest division in baseball.
0: I I wouldn't really necessarily count the rays out or just throw them on the scrap heap just yet. That's a machine. That's a, that's a well-oiled machine down there in Tampa and they have a great manager in cash. So we'll see what happens, but there's one thing for sure. And that is that the 2021 version of the New York Yankees is not going to lack in storylines. That's for sure. And coming up next on the pinstripe pod, longtime radio voice of the New York Yankees, Susan Waldman. (laughs) Not only are we celebrating the first Pinstripe pod of the season, we're also celebrating National Women's Month in the month of March. And what a way to kick it off in our leadoff spot for guests a woman who needs no introduction really, but she's going to get a great one anyway. It's Susan Waldman entering her 34th season with the Yankees, the 17th in the booth as the radio voice of the Yankees. Susan, it's such a pleasure to welcome you in, one of the hardest working people in all of baseball. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it.
2: Oh, anytime. Women's History Month. So you got 34 years. I guess that is part of history, right?
0: Absolutely. You are part of history. You're part of the fabric of baseball, of this game, and of this Yankees team. You're part of the Pinstripes for sure. Susan, let's just jump in with how you're doing and how you've been this past year. I know it's been tough on everybody, but how are you? How's your family? How's everything going?
2: Well, health-wise, fine. I got my second vaccine a week ago, so now I'm, I can go to the grocery store. I celebrated getting the second vaccine by going to the car wash, which I haven't been to <laughs> in a year. You know, listen, this is a great life, right? Last year, guys, quite frankly, it was really hard because you know John and I were alone in separate booths at the stadium every single day, and it's very tough because you try and make it exciting and you try and make it real and you know we had no contact with anybody and as you guys know and Jeff knows very well you know my bread and butter is is dealing with people my whole career is based on relationships that I've made with people in this sport and other sports and those are gone they're just totally gone and so you try and people don't want to hear that so you try and be as up and excited as you can be but let me tell you John and I at some point in our engineer were the only people in Yankee Stadium when the team was on the road it was just our little booths were lit were lit up and we're watching on screens which we're doing now um it was a very tough year but luckily for me i didn't get sick i don't know a lot of people that got sick and so that is a knock on wood right here
1: well susan you're usually in florida at this time you texted me the setup that you had and it's in your house and then john is in connecticut and your engineers are in Tampa. I I wanna know how you guys do it. I mean, usually, like you said, you're in the booth, you're next to each other, you can kind of feed off each other that way. But then yesterday was the very first broadcast that you guys did for spring training and nobody was even close to each other.
2: Well, I I think actually, It's really helpful that uh, John and I have known each other so many years. I mean, John and I have been actually friends since he got here in 1989. And when you know someone really well, I know how he broadcasts, and he knows when I like to talk, and I know when he likes to talk. I don't think we stepped on each other at all. I mean, we're in three different states. (laughs) It was really (laughs) weird. It was very, very odd. But it it worked out, I think. I mean, it's not the same. You know that. You know, Aaron Boone and I – did our pregame over FaceTime and I'm sitting there with a little cell phone taping it off of my big computer. It's it's the strangest thing and the things that, you know, you go into the manager's office, and I do pregame every single day with the manager, and have for years. But before I bring out the, t- the typewriter, typewriter, before I bring out the tape recorder, do we have to explain to people what a typewriter is? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I'm pretty sure Nellie and I both know
2: what one is. But. Oh, okay, <laughs> but before I bring out the yeah, before I bring out the tape recorder, I'd sit on the couch and say, "What's going on? Who's hurt? I mean, et cetera, et cetera." That's gone. It's just gone, so you try, and, uh, you try and do the best you can and bring the same kind of fervor that we are when we're actually there. It's, it's really tough, but, you know, people don't want to hear that. Baseball is back, and at least people were there. Everybody, if anybody's listening to this in Tampa, please put your masks on. That made me crazy yesterday that people you had to wear masks to get into the park, and then I looked around, and nobody's got them on. It was making me nuts.
0: Susan, let me ask you this. You're still broadcasting for WFA and you're still doing the Yankee games. The Blue Jays are using their TV feed for the radio this season. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think it's disgraceful, and I think it's a disservice to fans everywhere. Baseball is not a, necessarily a television sport. I mean, it's a, at its best, it's a radio sport where you can sit in the backyard and look at your own mind. You know, they're describing things, and the broadcasts are totally different, totally different. When you are on the radio, you are. Painting a picture for everybody, and they can imagine it in their mind. When you, as you know, Chris, when you are broadcasting a television game, you were putting captions on a picture that the, that they can already see. Now, never mind. You know, I don't know how much how many. You know, maybe they're going to make up a dollar ninety eight with taking these kids off the air. I mean, it's an awful awful thing, and it's an awful awful thing for Ben Wagner, who was a young man who got that Toronto job, was in Buffalo for years jerry hall retired and he was promoted and it's an awful thing and it it does not bode well for this industry that rogers the people that have more money than anybody anybody that's the whole country it's not just toronto and what they've done to their fans they're trying to get their 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 fans excited about this team which they should be and there's no games and i think they're only doing two radio games at all this year and four television games and it's um it's a it's a terrible precedent to to, to set i know major league baseball probably can't do anything about it but it's an awful awful precedent to set
1: yeah, they're trying to they, I think they said because of COVID and they're not gonna be yeah, able to do that. Yeah, they're yeah. lying. Yeah, 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 yeah. It
2: has nothing to do with COVID. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you know what? Last year last year it's all owned by Rogers, but it's I think SportsNet is the company. And but it's all owned by Rogers. They were all and I know this because last year how we got through those games when they were in somebody else's park was that I had an open text line to whomever was broadcasting for that team. And of course, that was Ben Wagner, who was the Toronto guy. They were not in Buffalo with the team. They were all in Toronto in a giant studio. The television, it's all the same umbrella. So they were all in, and there's no, it has nothing to do with COVID. They weren't even there. They're not traveling with the team. They're sitting in a studio in Toronto. So what does COVID have to do with anything? It's a lie. Hopefully
1: it goes away and the fans and everything gets back to normal at some point, maybe next year. You know, Susan, 34 years with the Yankees, have you ever looked back and and seen what you accomplished throughout the years? And, and are you amazed at what you've done through baseball, especially being a woman?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, I I really don't. Sometimes, like if someone asked me about a question like that, like you just did, I will I will think back. This morning, you know, it's Women's History Month, which is March, and I posted a picture on my Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I saw it, with you and with George... Mr.
1: Steinbrenner with the, yeah. uh, with the you had the good hair going back then.
2: I had the good hair going there. That was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, like a, a perm kind of thing, a log hair. And with the Knicks bag that I had in the back of me, I think that was in front of what, in the old days, you know, that was in Fort Lauderdale. I think it was 1989. And we were in Fort Lauderdale and how things have changed. The thing that John and, uh, John, George and I are standing in front of is a trailer. And that was the media trailer. We were all in a trailer. There wasn't even a media room. There was nothing. It was, uh, yeah, great times. But when I look back at that picture and I think of all the years and how it started and all the things that happened, I try not to do it a lot because there's still a lot to do that's going forward. And I always think that if you look back, you're in trouble. When you start looking backwards and saying, oh, boy, this is great, then you're in trouble and someone else is going to pass you.
0: One of the things that really stands out to me, besides what you do in the booth, Susan, besides how you've covered this team for 34 years, was back in 1999, when you brought George Steinbrenner and Yogi Berra back together, you actually got the conversation going. Can you just walk us through that and tell us how that came about?
2: Well, it was was kind of interesting because, you know, I had never... I had never met Yogi. I had was introduced to him once, I think, at Phil, at uh, Mel Allen's funeral. Phil Rizzuto introduced us, but I did not know Yogi. And it started. This all started because W. By the Yogi Berra Museum, which was just about to open. And they said, you know, we'd like to have Susan host a show at Yogi's museum. And I said, okay. And the program director, Mark Chernoff, said to me, wouldn't it be great if we could get George and Yogi to reunite on the air? And I said, yeah, sure, that would be good. And and I was talking to George the next week about something, and I said, all right, let me try this. And I told him about that, and I said, George, I want to talk to you about yogi. And he said, what's wrong? And as soon as he said, what's wrong, I said to myself, okay, go for it. And I, I talked to him about it, and I said, wouldn't that be great? And he said, no, 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 we'll do it in spring training. I said, no, it has to be done now. And I never met Yogi through the whole thing. Dale Berra and I negotiated this over the phone. What Yogi wanted to happen. And, you know, and, and I said to George, I remember saying to George, he wants you to apologize. And he said, well, what does he want me to apologize for? And I said, I don't know, George. I wasn't there. You, whatever you did. And, and he said, well, we'll do it in spring training. I said, no, no, no. He wants you to come to the museum. It should be on that night because I'm on the air. I mean, it was I, mean, I was boarding out all kinds of stuff. And Dale and I actually negotiated it. And George actually, in the beginning of January, had his plane take him to Teterboro from Tampa, and, you know, we the thing about it was we were not supposed to tell anybody. Nobody knew. Nobody knew about this, because if it didn't work, George didn't want to be embarrassed, and my allegiance was to Mr. Steinbrenner, and I didn't know Yogi, so I did what George wanted, and nobody... Nobody knew that this was going to happen, and I. But meanwhile, I had set up all these guests just in case. I called Ted Williams and Bill White and Joe Garagiola, and we had it all set up that if it worked, they were all going to come on the air and celebrate this reunion. If it didn't work, I was going to be stuck with the '73 Mets for the for three hours, and I had no idea about anybody in the in the '73 Mets. So this actually, George came in, and uh, the first thing that Yogi says to George is, "You're late." And I'm going, oh my God, here goes my career right here. And they went into this room and went into this room. And all of a sudden we hear yelling. And Tim Berra says to me, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And Dale said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm behind a pole. And then Carmen Berra, bless her heart, went into the room and it was quiet. And they came out arm-in-arm, and, arm, and they're showing pictures, and Yogi's showing pictures of the museum. And they sat down, and there was, we were in an auditorium. And <clears throat> we started the show, and I said, here, i Susan Waldman live at Yogi Berra Museum, which is just open. I said, Mr. Berra, you remember Mr. Steinbrenner, Mr. Steinbrenner. You remember Mr. Berra, and they started talking. And as I'm talking, within 10 minutes, 15 minutes, guys, the doors in the auditorium, were opening and people were running in because they'd heard it on the radio and people were coming from the gym and from the train and from grocery stores with bags and all of a sudden I turned around and within I don't know 15-20 minutes the place was full of people just seeing this happen so it was it was really a cool night it was very very cool night.
1: Well that's amazing I'm sure you have a million memories we're gonna have to ask you about this team coming up one world series in 20 years that's not a New York Yankee Tradition, not a tradition, but that's not the New York Yankees winning one World Series. What do you feel about this team, and what do you feel about some of the moves they made in the winter?
2: Well, you know what, Jeff? It, it's so amazing. I'm I'm sorry to say this to people. There's a lot of ifs on this team. I mean, we this, this team, for example, you've got Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery that you know are healthy. If it works, if Jamison Tyone is Jamison Tyone and he's not injured, then he's got great stuff. And, you know, he and Cole are really close friends and, you know, lived together when they were coming up with with the Pirates, evidently, in spring training. But you don't know about Tyon, you really don't. Corey Kluber says, you know, he feels healthy, he looks good, but it's March 1st. I mean, speak to me in June. If these two guys are who they are, then you've got Garrett Cole, Jamison Tyone, and Corey Kluber, and Jordan Montgomery, and that's a pretty good start of a staff. You don't know about the fifth starter. You don't know about what they're going to do and how they're going to bring these pitchers along. The back of the bullpen is as good as it could be. I mean, it's just great. That whole bullpen is terrific. Now, you've got an outfield. Clint Frazier is the left fielder now, and Aaron Hicks is in center, and Aaron Judge is is in right. Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks have not made it through a season yet, nor has Giancarlo Stanton. Everybody says they're in the best shape of their life. You know, Jeff, how that is. Everybody's <laughs> in the best shape of their life. Yep. And, you know, yesterday, I got to tell you, we're doing the game, and I thought Aaron Judge was going to dive for a ball. My stomach turned. I mean, it's February 28th, and he, he thought better of it and let the ball bounce in front of him. But he made that, and oh, gosh and that's that's what you're going that's what you go through. So you've got Stanton, Judge, Hicks and Sanchez who haven't made it through 1 year yet without getting hurt. Oh, Gary Sanchez, I mentioned him. Which Gary Sanchez are we going to see? Now, obviously, he's much better. Now I see it. Yep, everybody says he's in great shape. And I did see him. It looked EDH'd yesterday, and it looked like he's a little lighter and has been working on on movement and just trying to you know, move. But the catching and the offense. And Jeff, you know, Jorge Posada was, you know, he wasn't Johnny Bench back there, but he also hit 35 home runs a year. And he was able to separate The defense and the offense, Gary Sanchez hasn't been able to do that. He is so upset about him making mistakes because he hears it. Guys hear things in the stands. They hear what people are saying. And it's not that he's lazy, and it's not that he doesn't care. He does. He just hasn't been able to put it together. But he's got to learn to separate what goes on on either side of the ball, like Posada did. There are a lot of catchers like that. And if he hits 35 home runs, nobody's going to care that he lets a pass ball go, as long as it doesn't lose a game. So there's a, to me, I'm, if everything works, it's as good a team as you could have in this division. If it doesn't work, then you don't know, and you have to look at both sides. I mean, I could be all goodness and light. It looks like it could be absolutely great. But there's so many what-ifs on this team that, you know what, call me back in June and we'll have a better better idea.
3: Hey, Susan, it's Jake here. And, you know, I, as a Mets fan, I could say the same. We have a lot of what-ifs on, on defense and, you know, in the bullpen as well. So, you know, I, I lost a steak dinner I still owe to Nellie and Shearney last year for the uh, Yankees winning the series over the Mets. But I got to <laughs> ask you, you've been working with John Sterling so long, and – even as a Mets fan, I appreciate you, and I appreciate his calls, his home run calls. The milkman always knocks twice. He's got so many. Do you have one favorite of his or, like, a Mount Rushmore of John Sterling home run calls? <laughs>
2: uh, the milkman. It's not the milkman. It's the milkman. I think I think my favorite is, I don't know, there's a bunch of them, but they're old school ones. I love Georgie Juiced one. I love an A-bomb for A-rod Burn baby burn! I think is probably my my favorite because that was the first one and it just came out of his mouth during. I like those kinds of things before it became a you know now as John says it took it's a cottage industry and by the way what do you mean you have got problems on the deep you have a real catcher you have the best shortstop one of the best shortstops I've <laughs> ever seen I mean what are you talking well, well, about Susan we have J
3: D Davis playing third who tends to have the yips sometimes we have Dom Smith the first baseman no, who's playing wait, left you
2: got at the mo- at the mo- you got JD Davis. Well, listen, I'd, I'd like love to
3: trade it. for Chris Bryan or Genio Suarez or, or Chapman, but I don't know if that's happening. They say they're done. And then center field, you got Nimmo, who's okay, but he's, he's no gold glove center fielder. So there are some concerns, you know.
2: Well, but you but you've made a difference. You have a catcher that can actually throw, that can actually really call games and he's called, you know, and he's called a no-hitter for a kid. You got I'll tell you let me you watch what Frankie Lindor does for that team. Oh, I'm excited on and for on him. you watch. He's one of the best people I've ever met and yeah, you know, he's tremendous. He's just tremendous and sometimes when you get that that perfect Right there, in the middle, and I would imagine they're going. They said they're going to start to work on an extension, and he's given them a deadline. So we'll see. But he's, you know, it changes everything when you have a real shortstop. Things change.
3: And they've starting pitching as well. Sorry to take the talk Mets here.
2: That's all right. We're all in the same city. I was doing talk shows with Howie Rose every <laughs> Sunday. I talked to a lot of Mets. There you
3: go.
1: Susan. Susan, we got to hear Jay cry all the time. So it's, 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 it's just amazing. It's almost like he has tissues next to him and he's dry his tears.
0: Susan, you know, this steak dinner that we won, it was that five-game series between the Yankees and Mets, and the Mets took the first two games, so this guy oh. was so confident. Oh, yeah. And then
3: Diaz blew game oh, five. Confident. Diaz blew a save in the ninth inning. I was watching at a bar. I was like, God, I'm going to take medium rare. We're going to go to Chaz Palmentary steak dinner, and then he blows a save, and they start texting me, and I get roasted, so
2: damn it. You know, I want to know what you guys did to poor Diaz. When we saw Diaz in Seattle, I said, "Oh my God, this kid is going to be unbelievable." He comes to New York, and you ruined him. And I don't know what you did to him. He's got great stuff. He's got, you know, you got more people though now. But by the way, doesn't he sound guys like a, a, a like a real Met fan? They're oh, absolutely. very, very
3: cocky. Oh, cocky
2: No, and then turn on a dime. They turn uh-huh. on their own cheeks.
3: I'm yes. going yeah. to go cry in the corner now. Well, Susan, Chris
1: is the same way as a Yankee fan. Oh, he was already stop. saying the first at bat that Sanchez struck out with a 90 mile an hour fast. Oh, I looked over the <laughs> map.
0: February 28th. I. I did it. I did it to get a rise. Wait, out what of did you me. do? You all. Wait, what? What it, did you Shir- do? Shearney Shir-
3: because- will sometimes text us angrily during games, and and this was yesterday. He claims it was to get a rise out of us, but he said that Sanchez was swinging and missing at a, a low ninety
0: one mile an
2: hour fastballs.
3: I was like, it's February. Come on, let's let's relax. It,
2: it, February 28th. is Isn't that amazing? See, Yankee. I, I think <laughs> it's every fan. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be kind. It's every fan. I did hear people screaming at Sanchez after that at bat and by the way Yankee fans if you're out there and you were in Tampa yesterday that is not the Goriel who was on Houston that's his brother <laughs> they were booing poor Lardis and he learnt, looked around and oh, oh yeah I get it so at least if you're going to boo the Goriels boo the right guy
0: All right. There's a difference, Susan, between me and those people that were at the stadium yesterday because I heard them. That's the thing with with a a very scant amount of fans in the stands. You could hear pretty much everything. And after Gary struck out on that 91 mile an hour fastball up in the zone, someone said some things never change. And that wasn't me. It's the first spring training (laughs) game. I'm not going to go nuts over the first spring training game. I sent those texts to these guys because I knew it would start to say, oh my God, it's the first spring training game. He's going nuts. So that's, let (laughs) me give you a little context here. I'm not going nuts on February 28th. Like you said, come back to me in June, and I'll go a little <laughs> bit nuts.
2: Well, you know the, the thing with the thing with fans and everything. I understand. What if yesterday was this guy's only game that he's ever gonna that he's going to see all year? And people come to you know that, that's one I've talked to guys. I've talked to guys over the years about how you pace yourself because Gary didn't want to strike out. But as you know, the pitchers the pitchers are going to be ahead of the hitters. Gary is working. I've tirelessly on this new footwork thing, all of a sudden, framing pitches is much more important than catching the ball it would, to me, which is absurd. I mean, it's gotten too much importance. But, you know, Gary is working so hard on this that you, you can't do it all at once. You, you know, you're not going to be in July shape on February 28th. And I understand the fans did pay money, and they want to see their Yankees win. George did. George always wanted the, the You know, George would go crazy when the team lost particularly if they lost uh, the Mets.
0: You gotta take a step back, especially the first game. And you gotta let these guys get their legs under them, regardless as if they played winter ball like Sanchez did for a hot minute. You know, you gotta let him get his swing back. You gotta let him work on what he's gonna work on. That's what spring training is. You're gonna see Garrett Cole and Jamison Tyone against the Tigers. They're not gonna come out and start throwing their whole repertoire. They're gonna work on their command. It's a steady process to get to that first start. So that's what fans. Well, fantastic- every, I
2: think every well, I think the fans just—they're trying to get into game shape too, and that's what they do. Is, <laughs> that's is, a fair point. You know, point. and you know, and, that's, and they haven't been in a—they haven't been in a ballpark in a year. No, and right, it always no, right. made me crazy when that, I mean it, it. So I do understand it because you want everybody to. I get texts from people that say that should know better that you know, that that say he looked awful. Well, for Pete's sake, stop it. <laughs> and that's, but you, but you can't. It's all, it's all part of it. I think everybody was just so excited to get back out there and actually hear people booing or hear people saying things. And you know, and that also, I also heard the guy in left field when, when Frazier didn't get a get to a ball, somebody yelled from the stands. I heard it. Somebody yelled, "Try using your glove, Clint." Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> hey, Susan. <laughs> Listen, I've I've stood elbow to elbow with you in in the locker room at times when I filled in for Meredith, when I filled in for Kim Jones. I've seen how you I've seen how you work firsthand. You're one of the best at what you do, and it's just a pleasure to have you on our first episode this season to kick this off. And hopefully, towards the end of the season, we're talking again about a Yankees 28th World Championship. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for the time.
2: Thanks for asking me, guys. Have a great day.
0: That seals the deal on episode 36, the David Cohn edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Alex Camerata for producing the show. Subscribe to Pinstripe Pod wherever you get your podcasts, but give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Shearn. We will return next Monday and every Monday in March. Enjoy the first week of spring training Yankees games. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks for listening.